What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night. Andrew Boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we're going over UFC 262, headlined by Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler for the light uh, lightweight strap. Obviously, uh, what, what did we have going on? Khabib was holding on to the title. He lets it go as he goes out there and uh, retires pretty much. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad that the UFC didn't decide to go with Connor and Poirier as a title fight. This one was much more deserving, a little bit of question marks, obviously, regarding what we're getting with Michael Chandler, considering he's only been in the UFC for one fight and has knocked out one guy and gets vaulted right into a title shot. But, you know, to say what you want in terms of how the lightweight landscape currently is, I don't really mind the matchup. So uh, I'm still excited for it. I think it's going to be a barn burner. I think there are a ton of great fights on this card. Not to just mention that, um, you know, there's a lot of closely lined fights. Like right now, I think the largest favorite that we have is either Christos Iagos or Gina Mazzani, who are currently around minus 210. Everything else is like super closely lined, like below minus 150. We got one, two, three four five six seven eight eight fights out of i believe 12 fights that are minus 150 or below nine fights if you wanted to say minus 160 absolutely insane there are so many closely lined fights very very tough card to break down but that's what i'm here for doing for you guys um and yeah, uh, the pre-recorded podcast is not out yet. I'll either drop that tonight or tomorrow morning. But I wanted to make sure that I do the live one for you guys uh, regardless. Um, tomorrow, uh, yesterday, we were supposed to do the stream. Then did not end up happening. But next week, we'll be back to normal schedule with the Tuesday live stream. Let's see what the chat is saying first. Then we'll get into the breakdowns here. Oh, uh, right off the top, I do want to remind you guys that... Uh, I'll be doing this stream, and then at 10 o'clock, I'm going to be hopping on over to uh, the Club and Sub podcast. I'll be me, um, Danny Legs, who I believe is in the chat. Shout out to my guy, Legs. Uh, Luke from Sparring with Reality Betting. Uh, C is obviously the resident capper there over at Club and Sub. And then lastly, we're going to be getting a nice uh, warm welcome, or at least a first ever time hearing and speaking to Mr. Uh, Magic MMA. If you guys know Magic MMA, very solid capper. Uh, props master, if that's what you want to call him. But uh, very much looking forward to, to talking to him, breaking down the fights with him. Uh, and that's going down at 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so, yeah. Should be a fun one. Let's see what the chat is saying, and then we'll get on into the breakdowns here. Ryan Lozano, anyone want to rate this card one to five, depending on uh, compared to the rest of the cards this year? This is one of the, the the weaker ones, in my opinion. More competitive. Don't get me wrong. I think there's a lot of great fights on here, but I feel like we've had better pay per views. Uh, to, to bad. Not to mention we did lose Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz, which was supposed to go down, but is what it is. I'd say a four. Yeah, four is not too bad. Three or four. Kung Dao Chicken's in the chat. Uh, Nelson Laub reminding us that this is actually in front of a crowd, so I'm very much looking forward to that. It was crazy. Still get goosebumps thinking about the last pay-per-view that they had in front of a crowd. Absolutely crazy. Hopefully the fighters can bring the same type of energy here, which I absolutely believe they will. Brian T saying bounce back week and time to stop betting on fights where someone massively misses weight. Good point. Good point. Uh, Ryan Lozano, what does what time does this puppy start? We're already here. I apologize, guys. Uh, Justin Villegas asking if I won the big parlay. No, Mr. Daukis actually fucked that up for me. So, uh, yeah, literally every leg hit except Daukis. Daukis was the one that really fucked me up. Um, 
Yeah, that would have been a nice one. But we had a couple legs actually cancel, right? Uh, I believe, yeah, the Angela Hill leg of it canceled. So it brought the pay, uh, the, um, it dropped the payout down to about 10 grand compared to the 25 grand it was initially supposed to be, uh, but is what it is. It ended up uh, losing anyway. Chris saying, I see Oliver winning this quite easily. We'll see how that goes. Kung Dao Chicken saying, some good dogs on this card. I absolutely agree. I think this is this might be a dog-heavy card just like last week. Uh, Sarge, one, two, three, something. I'm pretty guess I was wrong on Tufan, buddy, but I wouldn't have made a difference because my other lock client got robbed in the robbery of the year. That's sort of been crushed either way. I don't think it was a robbery of the year, to be honest, with that Klein and Trezano fights, but I don't want to speak too deep about that one. Justin Villegas, what that podcast uh, is going to be on later and is on YouTube as well because I got to go pick up my girl in a minute and she's getting her shot. So I'll be gone most of the show. Uh, Club and Sub podcast. Uh, just, uh, yeah. It's on YouTube. Make sure you uh, check that out. I'll drop the uh, link actually in the description here as well. Give me a sec. And this one's going to be going off at 10 p.m. EST. I just dropped it in the comment section. So bookmark that. Follow those guys. Subscribe to those guys. And uh, that's the podcast I'll be on later this evening. Uh, George saying we also lost from Mans versus Shabazz. And yep, that was a great fight. At least that's getting pushed to next week. So we can at least see that fight still go down. UCF Rob, tough card. Looking forward to your thoughts. Yep, I'm right there with you. My guy Brandon, oh, call me Lockulies. I think it's Lock for tease, but I appreciate it regardless. Robot Chicken Wing saying, Haw's oh, got a gas thing. Now he's on EPO. Absolutely. Um, all right, let, let's get into the breakdowns. Um, or, or first and foremost, as I always do, we do my. Um, we do the. Sorry, I'm just trying to bring up the uh, the slideshow here for you guys. <clears throat> uh well let me do my sponsor plugs real quick and then we'll get into the uh the the recap and the breakdowns all that type of stuff main two things i want to plug is obviously coolbet coolbet.com use promo code mmalotn2 the measure initial deposit up to 200 bucks great betting website if you guys are looking for a new bookie they are someone that you want to add to it uh link is in the description below otherwise it's just coolbet.com Again, when you guys sign up, use the promo code MMALOTN2. That's number two. And they'll uh, match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks. Uh, and next, uh, the, the Patreon. Obviously, patreon.com slash MMALOTN. Link is in the description below as well. Five bucks a month, early access to the breakdowns. Uh, great Discord community that we got on there as well. Uh, not to mention... We are closing in on 400 patrons on there. So shout out to everybody that's been signing up to the Patreon. Not the weekend that I wanted to have this past weekend, uh, considering we had two brutal events. I'll obviously get into that for you guys very shortly. Uh, but again, shout out to everybody that's supporting through the Patreon. Truly means a lot. And I can't wait to crack that 400 number. We're only three or I believe four or five people away. So I can't wait to uh, to get into that one and uh, pass that milestone. Obviously, getting a win this weekend will really help that. Obviously, getting we uh, wins last weekend would have helped as well, but that didn't come to fruition. I will say the predictions came through, and I'm, 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 I'm going to say this right now. I was quite impressed with myself considering how many dogs actually ended up winning. Um, let me just pull that up real quick. I went 6-3 and three on picks, uh, or at least predictions. Uh, but in terms of how many dogs won, we had one, two, three, four, five five dogs out of nine fights and i went six and three so i called 
five dogs <laughs> to, to hit. It would have been uh, six dogs had Adji Hill still competed. I thought she could still beat Amanda Kibos. Good thing for us, they are rebooking that fight, so I'll still be, have another opportunity to go out there and bet Angela Hill uh, regardless. All right, let's get into the the breakdowns here. Or sorry, the, the recap of last week. Very, very unfortunate weekend uh lost on both events lost pretty heavily on bellator and the lost as well on uh on the ufc so let's so let's start off with bellator first and foremost i found it very tough to find uh underdogs on that card pre-flop uh obviously we had a couple dogs come through throughout the night um but i picked the wrong ones i picked uh blaine shut i put 0.5 units at plus 479 uh i thought we'd see a better wrestling display from him considering his background and success he's had in past fights with his takedowns did not happen at all so that one was really fucked uh blaine or sorry dane daniel madrid i thought he'd have a lot of success off of his back as a bjj black belt but johnny eblin didn't even decide to take it there never really seen him use his hands as much as he did in this fight and it pays off for him the guy goes out there and gets the knockout uh so that one was uh was a little bit surprising for me to get for him to get the win the, the way that he did is what it is though so all in all minus one unit on the dog of the night plays for bellator 250 and then warren archuleta goes out there and uh yeah i i, I yeah <laughs> i don't know what to say there um you know uh, pettis uh his his hand speed looked amazing his ability to counter Juan archuleta who was seemed to be throwing a lot more looping shots i thought archuleta if he was going to be outgunned on the feet which i thought was a possibility i thought at least he'd be able to go out there and grapple fuck sergio pettis but sergio showed that he was more than ready to go uh and he uh defended very well you know what i mean anytime archuleta tried getting it going uh pettis was able to reverse or at least able to stuff the takedowns and then get back out into space to get his hands going so very very uh impressive and surprising performance from sergio pettis at least on my side uh and that that crushes our uh, lock of the night streak. If you guys remember, we are on a uh, 12 event winning streak, or sorry, 11 event winning streak with 10 straight lock of the night hits. That comes to a crashing end at Bellator 258. Just a matter of time until we get back to a streak. Unfortunately, we did start a streak. Unfortunately, it was a losing streak the following night with the UFC fights. First and foremost, uh, the under one and a half or under four and a half for the Rodriguez and Watterson fight. I was expecting Watterson to shoot a little bit more, at least go for takedowns a little bit more often. Uh, the one time she did get it, she had some success and obviously won that fourth round. Um, but I was expecting to have her uh, go out there and shoot some more takedowns, be more successful with it, which would uh, in turn hopefully get her a submission. Unfortunately, that did not come to fruition. Marina Rodriguez shows that her cardio issues are starting to solve themselves, and she did a good job in terms of going out there and winning at least four out of those five rounds and, uh, you know, really, really showing uh, that she can start going up there and, and having success with her hands. Um, yeah, that, that one sucked to lose that one. Obviously, lock of the night play really uh shits the bed there um yeah under two and a half on the phil haas and kyle Douglas fight i was not expecting to see the improvements from phil haas gas tank the way that we did um i thought kyle Douglas would have the better cardio regardless it just didn't end up seeing like that not to mention kyle Douglas had haas really hurt in that second round and decided to clinch up with him just like imovov did i'm not sure what it is with phil haas but fighters just tend to clinch up with him especially when they have him hurt uh so that was very demoralizing and then even phil haas had kyle Douglas hurt on numerous occasions too so that that was a bad loss that one really hurt the under two and a half whiffs there uh but i you know 
I'd make the bet again, considering what I knew before the fight. Uh, but again, Phil Hawes having a better cardio. I did not expect that. I saw the cardio issues in the Imovov fight, but I thought that Dalkis would be able to, you know, give us what we thought we were getting in Imovov, and that just did not end up happening. So that one really fucked. That one really um that one really fucked my night. And then the only shining moment of the weekend for me was Neo Magni uh, to when I had him at plus 162. Went out there and did what Neo Magni did or does. You know what I mean? Uh, I expected him to lose the first round, but I expected him to pick up the next two. And it came through. You know what I mean? Neo Magni does what Neo Magni does. And he can stay in your face and just absolutely uh, uh, make it a clusterfuck of a fight for you. And uh, the only regret that I have there is I wish I would have went a little bit harder considering how confident I was in Magni in that spot. So is what it is. Um, I will say I did have Angela Hill as my second dog of the night play. Um, and then I ended up replacing it with the under four and a half, I believe, in the Rodriguez and Watersons fight is what it is. Uh, and all in all, bad weekend, minus 9.38 units. Um, we did create a solid cushion on that 11-event winning streak that we went on before crashing this past weekend. So, uh, yeah, hoping that the Lachlan I play can come through this weekend so that we can... Um, you know, start building that streak and slap, snap this two two event losing streak and keep things going. All right, let's see what the chat is saying here, and then I'll move on into the breakdowns for you guys. My guy letting us know that Dalk has fucked a lot of people. Yeah, that would have been nice. Nicholas West in the chat. What's going on, my buddy? Daniel Moreno, my boy Locke, was on spot on about the Trezano fight a lot closer than people thought it would be. And I lost all my winnings. this really hope you pick Oliveira. I don't want to bet against you again. We'll see once we get there. Wail Al-Gaban got melted this weekend as well. Kung Dao Chicken saying Corrales and Arjala to fuck me big time. The funny thing is, like I was telling people not to parlay Corrales, yet I didn't have the balls to go out there and bet on his uh, opponent. Well, obviously he ended up coming through, but... Uh, I guess you didn't listen to me. <laughs> it's all good. My guy, MMA hedge fund saying Dobrant is going to make it look easy. Surprised. Uh, Big Bird PH, Gregor Gillespie made the money with his heart. Yeah, man, that was my initial lean for lock of the night play, but I don't know what it was that just eventually talked me out of it. I ended up going with under two and a half in the Dalkus and Haas fight. Now I wish that I stuck with the Gillespie pick, but is what it is. Ink 4K, the losses on my screen. Fuck me, Lock. He must have a big bankroll. Yeah, of course. Bad weekends are going to happen. Obviously, it's not good when it's two events back-to-back, -back, but uh, it's going to happen, my guys. Daniel Moreno, Chandler lost to Phil Brooks twice. Way different level of losses for Oliveira. We'll talk about that when we get in there. Zara's all in on Chandler. Justin Villagasso's punches rock him for a minute where I was thinking Haas is going down. I know, man. Um, y'all are already talking about the main event i'm not even anywhere near there once i get there i'll obviously uh consider what you guys are saying a little bit more czar saying good pick on magni i appreciate it man ryan grant what's going on my buddy um all right let's get into the breakdowns here i don't want to waste too much more time Again, I do have another stream at 10 o'clock that I'm doing, so I got to do this in a timely fashion. All right, first and foremost, we got Christos Iagos taking on short or short notice fighter Sean Soriano. This is actually going to be the second time we've seen Soriano inside the UFC. He did have a run where he initially went 0-3. Two of those fights, he actually came in on short notice, but still ended up losing those fights. Uh, 
pretty much getting grapple fucked in all of those fights, right? Uh, you had the Charles Rosa fight, you had the Chaz Kelly fight, and then obviously the Tatsuya Kawajiri fight. And he seems to have somewhat fixed those problems. He's one of the main training partners and assistant head coaches down there at Sanford MMA. Really putting in work with a lot of those guys uh, while working on his own career. Um, decent fighter, has good hands. Uh, it seemed in his Bruce Boynton fight, which was for the, I believe, CES title, if I'm not mistaken. It seemed like he was going balls to the wall in that first round, and then it ended up just spilling his gas tank and in the second round getting submitted by a boyington by uh by a rear naked choke huge upset as you guys can see the odds were very much in favor of soriano that night but uh soriano does have good boxing like i was saying seems like he's kind of showing up his takedown defense which he's really going to need to do here against against christos yagos now yagos I, I like him from a fighter standpoint right he has decent striking uh but obviously his bread and butter would be to get fights to the ground and grind out his opponents my only issue though is his cardio just looks a little bit suspect. I feel like if you have a guy in Sean Soriano, he's going to be able to stop takedowns and get his hands going. It could cost Yagos later in his fights. Um, the Drukar close fight, right? Like he just really couldn't get his own game going. Close crowded him pretty much from the beginning. Uh, you know, did a lot of good work. Uh, Yagos even got him down a couple of times and did some good damage from on top. But Drukar close was able to stay out of bad positions, get back to his feet, and then just crowd Yagos on the feet. And then obviously start pulling away more so in that third round. Carlton Minus fight. I believe it was another short notice fight for Yagos. Goes out there and pulls off a victory, as you would expect him to do so against uh, you know a guy like Carlton Minus, especially coming in as a minus three forty five favorite. But at the end of the day, I still like Yagos here. I'm not sure if I trust him at this crazy line though. I think that the line is a little bit too wide. Soriano is still live, and again, he's getting good work in there with uh, with those Sanford MMA guys. He's on a three event, three fight winning streak. The Mariscal fight was very uh, intriguing. I believe he lost a point in that first round, but was able to still really keep his game going in the second and thirds. Uh, you know, with takedowns of his own, good ground and pound from on top, uh, and then obviously the Almeida and the hot fights. Uh, absolutely starching these guys, right? It has big power in his hands, and that's something that kind of worries me here, especially the later this fight goes. At the end of the day, I still will go with Yagos. I think he grinds this fight out. I think he stays safe enough in the second or in the third round, and then eventually gets a decision. But I just, I just can't trust him. I just can't trust him ever so slightly. All right, let's see what the chat says here, and then we'll move right along. Zara saying Yagos better win. He should. I just think the line is a little bit wide. Big Bird PH, PH saying, uh, I'm just saying Yagos was getting hit by minus in the third. Just saying, yeah. He slows the fuck down. Uh, AG Soriano Sanford. Not only is he at Sanford, I think he's a part of their coaching staff, man. You see him in the corner of a lot of the fighters. He's holding pads for a lot of fighters. Uh, he's staying very, very much involved with the guys down there at Sanford MMA. Uh, Big Bird PH, Sean Soriano trying to go channel with this camp. Might benefit Soriano versus Yagos wrestling approach. Uh, I agree. It was definitely his kryptonite in his first UFC run, uh, but from his past couple of fights, now I'm seeing him make some improvements. That Boynton fight, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. There's a lot of action in that first round, and it truly did uh, slow him down there. Um, we'll see if he has the same cardio crash in this fight. Jordan Shep, what's going on, my brother? Rogue Stummer, Yago's cardio is going to be improved this fight. Some of the haws, possibly. I need to see it first before I can like bank on it. That's the issue that I have. Um, for this particular fight, it looks like DraftKings put Alvarez instead. AG close Michigan State champ wrestler checks on grappling predictions, and that might tell you a winner, possibly. 
MMA Kappas. Yeah, I like Yalgos via decision, man. Hasn't got a finish since 2016. Just increase the price tag. I like that as well. Soriano has been training with Chandler with the Spotty Texas judging. They may not favor the takedowns over the stand-up. Yep, good idea. Jordan Shep, I sold my house to put money on the Terry Use Rain line. You are absolutely insane. Daddy K saying stay away fight. I, I agree. I agree. Stefano is saying Yagos by decision, maybe, or Soriano by KO. I like that approach. Um, Socrates, I like the dog money on this one lock, but not sure I have the boss to bet I might make one play with Soriano on it. I don't blame you. I think there is some value on Soriano at this spot. He's been working with Chandler. Yep. The goat is in the house. I'm back, baby. Appreciate you stopping by to Bay. So, yeah, I got Yagos by decision, but I think the line is a little bit too wide, and that cardio is a little bit shaky for Yagos, which is why ultimately I won't, uh, more than likely won't end up playing Yagos here. Next up, we got Kevin Aguilar versus Tucker Lutz. <clears throat> Close line fight here, minus 120 on Lutz, plus 100 on Aguilar. I'm gonna be leaning with Aguilar. Or sorry, with Lutz here. Aguilar kind of surprised that he has a 17 and four record, or even you know before his three fight losing streak, he was 17 and one. Considering the way that he fights, right? Like he just marches his opponents down, uh, throws a lot of big shots, um, has a decent. Um, combination game doesn't really show too much else right not really a takedown guy has some decent takedown defense himself um the Enrique Barzola fight was very very much um impressive to me considering that he was able to stuff the takedowns and then just punish Barzola on the feet there but then when he starts fighting uh you know, guys that are able to mix it up a little bit better, like Dan Ige, Zubarito Hugov, obviously, who knocked him out, and then Charles Rosa, I think he runs into a little bit more trouble there. Tucker Lutz is a guy that I kind of put into that uh, that category of guys that can mix it up a little bit better and will probably give uh, Kevin Aguilar trouble. Uh, I understand why the line is moving Tucker Lutz's way. Uh, the guy, in my opinion, is a little bit more versatile on the feet. I think he does have that wrestling from his high school days in his back pocket if he wants to mix it up. I do believe that Aguilar takedown defense is good enough to kind of stop anything coming his way from the from the Aguilar's or the Lutz side in terms of uh in terms of grappling but I do think that we'll see the better game here from Tucker Lutz again I think he moves better uh you know Kevin Aguilar seems to just move in a straight line doesn't really cut off his opponents uh Tucker Lutz does a good job of moving around getting his own shots off again good combinations mixes up with kicks has a strong lead uh kick as well um yeah, I think it's just going to cause Aguilar too much trouble here. My 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 concern though is this is a stand-up fight. It could play out to be a very very close fight. Uh, it might even come down to who ends up throwing more strikes. And I think both guys are somewhat similar in that style. But I do think that Lutz is a little bit more versatile in his approach. So I'll ultimately be going with Tucker Lutz to win this fight via decision. Uh, the fight doesn't go to decision, or even the under is slightly intriguing, given the fact that these guys. Uh, again, they like to throw a lot of big heat on their shots. Uh, let me see what the under is looking like here. Under 2.5 is plus 175, over 2.5, minus 210. Again, th this is one of those weird stylistic matchups where both guys throw a lot of heat in the strikes and mainly are strikers, but more often than not end up going to a decision. So I, I will go with Lutz. I think he's going to have a hard time putting out Aguilar here, uh, and I'll take Lutz to win this fight via decision. Not the ultra 
most confident in the spot either. This this whole card is just very very close. Uh, I'm having I've been having trouble all week in terms of trying to find my lock that I play, my dog that I play. I do believe I found the two spots and I haven't hit them as of yet, but uh, it is definitely something that's on my mind that I want to um, take take advantage of. Uh, you know, after after I hop off the stream, I think I'm going to end up locking in my lock that I play after the stream ends up uh, finishes, or even the stream that I do end up afterwards. Sorry, my voice is really fucking with me. <clears throat> Hopefully that ends up helping. All right, let's see what the chat is saying here, and then we'll move on to the next fight. <laughs> Big saying to take support of the KB Buller retirement fund. Yeah, the guy got cut today. Royal in the chat. What's going on, my guy? Uh, Robot Chicken Wings, very one-dimensional. Yep, I agree. Uh, Noah, these first two fights are so hard to get a read on. I absolutely agree. Martial Arts Fan is on Kevin by decision. Uh, Danny K. Aguilar, a good takedown defense on Lud's terrible gas tank. Both contender series fights he was done in round three. I wouldn't say he has a horrible gas tank, uh, but yeah, it is a little bit of a concern. I will say that. Danny K. likes Aguilar. Big Bird PH seems like a buy low spot on Aguilar. Lutz slows down late in fights. Lutz needs to implement leg kick to win. But I could see Aguilar by KO hitting. He used to run through people in that fight. Yeah, I was very surprised he was ex as successful as he was on the LFA scene, considering the style that he has. Um, AG Aguilar back to his pre-UFC self one in this one. I will see. Hate the way Aguilar moves in the cage. Lutz could not work him for sure. Yeah, that's kind of my approach. Uh, Danny K is saying dog tonight. Lock tonight is Lee. Ooh, interesting. Urban men of New Jersey, three times about tour champ. Okay, we'll talk about that once we get there, brother. Uh, yeah, man, you ain't wrong about the card being hard to read. Keep going back and forth in each matchup. My myself, the czar is on the angel of death. Mackley's Agler has got the juice. All right, we'll see. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Gina Mazzini versus Priscilla Cachoeira. Now, I do believe. Mazzini is worth of being the um is worth of being the favorite here. Uh this big, I'm not hundred percent sure. Now I when I was initially skimming this card before running into the tape, I'm like, Gina Mazzini is probably the one that I feel most comfortable with. And that just hurts so much to say, considering what we know about Gina Mazzini, right? Between both of these girls and their last 10 fights combined, they're four and ten. Gina Mazzini obviously looked like the best she's ever looked in her last fight against Rachel Ostovich. Then again, that's Rachel Ostovich, right? Uh, back and forth grappling exchanges at certain points, but Mazzini was always the one ending up on top and landing the better shots. She obviously finishes her in the third round, so good win for Gina Mazzini there. Uh, and, and she looks like she's really coming to her own in that 125-pound division. Like, it wasn't too long ago where she was going up against Lena Landsberg, I believe, at 135 pounds, and she was close to th throwing up at <laughs> between rounds two and three just because she couldn't keep up with the, the conditioning and, and the pace that was being set in that fight. Now, I believe with her down at James Krause's camp, she's obviously getting in better work and obviously having a better approach to the way that she fights. And she was still exhausted going into that third round against Rachel Ostovich, but she just kicked into high gear, right? She went into like that Gregor Gillespie mode that we saw this past weekend where they look like absolute dog shit in between rounds. But then once they actually get into the action, they're able to get it going. Not to mention Gina Mazzini pushing hard for about four minutes until she ended up getting that finish over Ostovich. Now, Ostovich doesn't bring much on the feet, and that's where I have the issue here with Gina Mazzini going up against Cachoeira here. 
Cachoeira, again, she's she's a walking punching bag, but she does throw with heat, and that's something that we need to recognize. Uh, Gina Mazzini, she gets hit a little bit too much for my liking, and it feels like she's one of those women that if she gets hit hard enough, she'll just revert to shelling up and let Priscilla Cachoeira just unleash on her, right? Beating a 45-year-old, whatever, uh, Valerie Barney, uh, and beating Rachel Ostovich is not enough for me to go out there and be truly confident in, in making her a locker than I play, which was I was very close to doing before i slapped myself a couple of times and was like hey this is gina mazzini that we're talking about so be very careful in terms of where you put your money but stylistically speaking this seems like a spot that she should go out there and absolutely grapple fucking and really wear on priscilla cachoeira priscilla though no matter what she doesn't have the greatest technique but she throws with a lot of heat and we just have not seen much of her off her back uh, other than the valentina shevchenko fight but i just completely wrote that fight off especially in preparation for this matchup you know molly mccann did get her down very briefly same with luana carolina to get her down very briefly but cashware does a good job in terms of bucking her hips and getting back to her feet now if she continues to keep gina mazzini working you know, it's a little bit questionable for me uh, in terms of, especially if Cashware starts landing and and really starts hurting Mazzini. That's what I'm uh, I'm scared of here. I am going to pick Mazzini here. Mazzini by decision, I believe, is minus 105. Not too bad of a line, as I do think that's the way that she wins. And I do believe that Cashware is very, very durable. But there's just something in the back of my head that's saying, hey, don't put the chalk on Mazzini. You know, stylistically, it seems like a great matchup for her where she should go out there and kind of not ragdoll, but at least grapple fuck and, and clinch fuck Cashware here. But let's see a little bit more of Mazzini before we start investing in her. Uh, you know, I need to see more than just that one performance against Dostovich to be truly uh, sold on her that she's, uh, you know, Mazzini 2.0 especially with working with uh, Mr. James Cross. Uh, so, uh, all in all, the prediction will be Mazzini by decision, but I do have my concerns here in terms of her getting clipped, uh, potentially put out and hurt, and then reverting to just shelling up and not really getting her own game going. So I got Mazzini, but not with the most confidence here. Jordan Shep, it's not fair they are making Mazzini fight against a guy. <laughs> Zara saying this girl get hits a lot. Daniel Moreno, four units on Lutz. Robot Chicken Wings is on Priscilla. Big Bird is in catch-up beating back at it. Uh, Noah, Gina needs to see how Gregor fights and do that exactly. Evan Crawl, damn this beautiful man, is full screen on my phone. Appreciate you stopping by. Evan Crawl. Big J, if you put Mazzinia's lock in the night, we are fighting C. Exactly. <laughs> I couldn't live my with myself if I did it, man. But, like, she should have a definitive advantage here. It's just how she's going to react to getting punched by the big shots by Cashware, which she will get hit by. You know, she is still very hittable, and that's my concern here. Tajik Bay KB to UFC is what <laughs> I don't know why I keep doing that. Uh, Evan Graw, just I just step into this bad boy, and you're comparing Gina to Gregor. I'm saying, like, how gassed they look, uh, you know, in between rounds. That's what I mean. Big Bear PH, can you trust Cross to make Gina a fighting wrestler style wrestler? Uh, Priscilla by KO or Gina by decision. She did it last time, right? She she did have a wrestling approach against Rachel Ostovich, and she used it quite well, obviously finishing her late in that fight too. It's just when this fight is on the feet, and I think Cash Wera, we just haven't seen enough of her off of her back where people are able to control her other than Valentina Shevchenko, and I'm not going to let what Shevchenko did to Cash Wera, uh, you know, make me believe that Mazzini will be able to do the same thing. Absolutely not. AG, this thing, Kettlebell Cashwara sticks her. Interesting. 
And so while they have the same birthday, I believe that is correct. I'm going to take this fight inside the distance. Ooh, you are very ballsy there. Walid, Raid, Kasharari, short bad takedown defense in her debut. Yeah, but that's Valentina Shevchenko. That's the issue. Nine minutes, Gina was getting hit by Ostovich. I could see Priscilla landing one and she has more power. Can't take Gina at these odds. Right there with you, my guy. Wael Al-Gaban, yo, lack, uh, match now is locked in the night. Thoughts? Once we get to that uh, fight, you will hear my thoughts on that. Robot Chicken Wings, Krumas also worked with Kraus, exactly. Adam Simone likes Pickett. Kung Dao Chicken, I didn't like how she shot up against Avila. I agree. Daniel Moreno, I like Priscilla just because of the odds. 2021 Zombie Apocalypse, Zombie Girl, and Korean Zombie, and Al Kukui make a comeback. We'll see what happens. Evan Crawl, no, I have not discussed Burgos yet. All right. Uh, again, I like Mazzini here, and I like her to win this fight via decision. Let's move on to the next one. We got Jamie Pickett versus Jordan Wright. Uh, minus 110 on either side here. And uh, I know people are full on on that Jordan Wright fade train. I'm just not 100% sure this is the guy that you want to do it with. Now, Pickett, not saying he's a, a can, but he's close to can territory in terms of what Jordan Wright has been crushing on his regional scene outside of Gabriel Checo uh, and, uh, well, Ike Villanueva is close to that can territory too. But Jamie Pickett, the, the guy allows his opponent to really dictate the, the pace. That's why I believe he lost the Anchukui fight. As we saw, the Anchukui can be beat last weekend uh, like he was against Junior Park. But uh, Jamie Pickett, again, he, he seems a little bit too lackadaisical in there. When he does let it go like he did against uh, Jonathan Patti, you know, he really put it on Patti, landed a bunch of great combinations and great strikes to eventually stop that fight in the second round. But there's not too much to really like out of Pickett other than his durability. He has been stopped on the regional scene before. And I do think that Jordan Ray has some big power. Uh, that's something that we can always kind of depend on him for. But he does have a very questionable chin. And I feel like if Pickett is able to land cleanly enough to him, he would be able to put uh, Jordan Wright out. I'm not going to be one of those guys that goes out there and just auto-fades Jordan Wright in the spot, though. I don't think Jamie Pickett is a UFC-caliber guy. Uh, he does have good power, and that's ultimately enough for me to pick him to win this fight. Uh, but don't be surprised if the Beverly Hills Ninja goes out there and, and, and picks up a win on his own. My only qualm here in terms of why I ultimately won't end up picking the Beverly, Beverly Hills Ninja is that Jamie Pickett has seemed quite durable as of late. He ate some big shots from Soriano. He ate some big shots from Nchukwi. And he kept moving forward. Uh, and that's my concern. If Wright isn't able to get him out of there early, how is it going to look the later this fight goes? And I do ultimately end up siding with Jamie Pickett. I do think Pickett ends up uh, landing a big enough shot and putting Jordan Wright out probably in the second round here. But very low-level fight between two guys. That uh, One guy has a questionable boat chin and Jordan Wright both guys hit heavily uh so I'll ultimately go with the guy who's been showing uh solid durability as a late in Jamie Pickett and I'll take him to in this fight by second round KO but I want no part of this fight in terms of uh money that I'm going to be putting on either side let's see what the chat is saying then we'll move on up Danny K, Wright's Trini, Pickett isn't great either, but better competition. I like Pickett right there. Wright's first eight opponents combined 0-36 for sure. Uh, Nicholas West, Pickett struggled with Nchukwi, and we found out that Tafan ain't Hodan. Uh, true, true. Danny Lopez, yep, everybody wants to toot the horn of how bad Jordan Wright's past opponents are. Noah, Jamie Pickett is the first guy who Jordan Wright won't have a height and reach advantage on. Never fought longer than six minutes and could easily be 0-3 in the UFC. Pickett all day. 
Uh, oh, and two, you mean? Uh, I think he won that Villanueva fight fair and square, to be honest. Villanueva was too slow for him. Jordan Wright, as bad as we want to make him out to be, I do think that uh, Villanueva was just athletically outmatched in that fight. And then obviously the Hernandez fight was on the contender series, so it doesn't really categorize as UFC fight. George is saying pick a late second or third round TKO. Yep, I like that. <laughs> Nicholas West laying it out straight for us. They both suck. I agree. <laughs> WWE freak official Pickett and his durability have me sold. Yep, right there. Which uh, Noah Ike stoppage I think was bad. Uh, parents paid him off. Aiden Samoa is saying pick it all day. Game plan is clear. Right, just pressure him. Yep, I agree. Nine minutes, I want to bet pick it, but I'm sure he will get heel kicked to the head. Yeah. I wouldn't trust either guy. Let's just put it that way. Evan Cross saying, I'll take right just because I don't know if I... I don't know. I take the younger guy. That is my guy, Evan Cross approach. Kung Dao Chicken fight doesn't go to decision. is the safest bet. I, I'd have to agree with you there. Let me just see what that is, and then I'll move on to this next fight that I've already put up for you guys. Under one and a half is plus 130. Fight doesn't go to decision is minus 240. Not too bad. All right, as you guys can already see, next fight up, we got Andrew Lee versus Antonina Shevchenko. We got minus 125 on Shevchenko, plus 105 on Andrea Lee. And it seems like the line is steadily coming down. We had Shevchenko open up at minus 195, and the line is getting closer to a, a pick em. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see Shevchenko end up going down as the underdog once this fight actually goes off. I'm seeing a ton of love for Andrea Lee out there. And I got to say, I don't completely understand it. Now, she did, you know, very close fights against Joanne Caldwood and Lauren Murphy. Uh, obviously, she gets out grappled by Roxanne Modafferi last time, and uh, that was just not a good look for her, especially considering it was her second time fighting Modafferi, and she showed almost no improvements in that fight, so very unfortunate loss for her there. Um, but the Lauren Murphy fight and the jo Joanne Calderwood fights were very close. If you remember the Lauren Murphy fights, you know, I believe it was the second and third rounds that, uh, or the first and second round, where Andrea Lee was doing great work on the feet. You know, I thought she was landing the better strikes, and then Murphy was able to bail herself out by landing takedowns with like 30 or 40 seconds left and not doing much from on top, but getting a takedown, and I believe the judges were scoring that very heavily. So, uh, you know, good fight IQ on Lauren Murphy to come the fight when she did, but I don't think she ended up deserving to win that fight. It is what it is. Andrea Lee on a three-fight skid now, and she's not looking like what we thought she was when she came into the UFC, right? Like the Ashley Evans Smith fight, minus 185 favorite. The Montana De La Rosa fight, minus 180 favorite. Even earlier fights, I think she was in the minus 200, minus 250 range, as a lot of people thought she had a high upside. Now she's going up uh, here against Antonina Shevchenko, who, you know, kind of surprising to me that she's 36 years old, as I did believe that she was a little bit younger than that, but she did spend a lot of time in her um, uh, pretty much just fighting, uh, kickboxing, Muay Thai, not spending as much time on the, uh, on the regional scene in terms of MMA. But I do like what we're seeing from her. It seems like she is trying to expand her game. I think the uh, the Catlin Chukagian fight was a little bit of a bad look for her, right? Chukagian was able to control her pretty easily. I obviously get a lot of damage off, but I'm not sure if that's the type of game plan that Andre Lee is going to be bringing to this fight. 
I see this fight mainly taking place on the feet, and I think I give Shevchenko the slight advantage here. I think she is the better striker. I think she's a better technical striker. And I think with her being slightly taller here, I think it might help her kind of maintain her distance. Now, if Angelique comes out here and pulls out a singlet, uh, she might be able to take down Shevchenko and, and grind her out. But that hasn't really been Andrea Lee's path to victory more often than not, right? It's more so just go out there and, and kickbox with her opponents. But stylistically every fight is different she could do that against shevchenko here but i'm not sold on that yet like that's just not what we've been seeing for her that's not really her approach it's mainly striking if we're going strike for strike i i gotta give the slight advantage to shevchenko here so i will go with shevchenko to win this fight by decision but by no means am i like lock of the night confident on it after running the tape pre-fight i was heavily leaning shevchenko but once you run the tape like there are the concerns of the grappling uh disadvantage that shevchenko seems to be at sometimes you, it's weird though right you see her pull off a submission against lucy Podolova, have a lot of success in terms of her jiu-jitsu and reversals and stuff and then even in their ariani lipsky fight right like she holds a lot of great top pressure and what if she goes the grappling route here right Andrea Lee's takedown defense just doesn't look the greatest either. And uh, she seemed to struggle a lot getting out from uh, the bottom of Roxanne Modafari. And that was a big, big uh, red flag for me. I think that Modafari has better top pressure than Shevchenko, but I do think that Shevchenko will dish more damage if she is the one on top. Uh, but this is a close fucking fight. I'm very intrigued to hear people's thoughts on why Andrea Lee, uh, you know, should be favored here, as a lot of people feel that she is. Um, but but I like Shevchenko here, man. I think she will be the better striker. I think she'll land the better shots, and uh, I think she'll run away with well, not run away with this fight, but I think she'll end up getting her hand raised by uh, by decision here. Very very close fight, to be honest. All right, let's see what the chat is saying. I'm very intrigued to hear what people have to say about uh, Lee. There's a lot of love out there for her. Daniel K, my lock here is Chev. Suspect takedown D and even on feet. Hometown advantage for Lee. Socrates is on Lee as well. Noah, Andrea, Lee, and Michael Challenger seem to be the public dogs this week. Danny K, let's be real. She beat Murphy. I agree. Uh, AG, do people consider Lee a grappler? Because she's shown nothing while Shevchenko is turning, uh, tuning up a very solid grappler and uh, pretty Ariane Lipsky, right? Like, that's that's what I'm trying to understand. <laughs> Evan Craw, I hear this Antonina girl has a good training partner. Yeah, she does have a very good training partner. Uh, Robot Chicken Wings, I don't understand the Lee love her fight IQ is trash. Shevchenko is a better striker. I agree. AG, Nama Yunus and Valentina are working with Antonina. I think that Nama Yunus and Valentina and the Antonina training thing was just... Uh, you know, I want to. I don't want to say a one-time thing, but it, it like they they're not doing it regularly. I'm pretty certain that Shevchenko's sisters are uh, based out of Galveston, Texas now, or I have been for the last couple of years, and they go around and do that nomad type of thing where they go from gym to gym and try to get training in. But I'm not sure the last time they actually trained with Nama Yunus, so I'm not going to be using that here. Nine minutes. Anthony showing new wrinkles in her game with takedowns in her recent fight. Yep, I agree. Ryan Grant, uh, my Anthony is simp hard, similar to Clinton, Jillian Robertson, AG, Shevchenko line dropping like crazy. Hold the line, boys. Make some make some money. Uh, Kung Dao checking if it goes to decision. Judges are going to give to Lee. She's a hometown girl like they did with Hernandez. I don't believe in that, to be honest. Like, she fought, what's her face? She fought, uh, 
Lauren Murphy, same venue, and didn't get the nod. Just saying. Brian T, thank God there is a crowd to drown at the corners in this fight. I agree. Um, uh, Zach A, Texas judges plus close fights. Take the decision prop and keep it moving. Yeah. Fight goes to decision is probably the, the safest route here. I'll be honest. Um, but yeah, I do leave Shunchenko. Mac L, Shevchenko getting a name bump in odds, probably, which is why she opened minus 195. But I think the odds makers were right. I think she deserves to be the favorite, and I think she's going to get the nod. The dab for the A, Galvia, a vibe about an hour away. You're a Texas man too, eh? Ryan Grant, can't wait for your appearance tonight at 10. Yeah, that should be a fun podcast. Split decision. I can see it. <laughs> James Young, Lee married a Nazi, so I'm assuming that's cheering for Shevchenko. So I will go with Shevchenko. I'm going to take her to win this fight by decision, uh, but I'm open to being proved wrong if uh, you know Andrea Lee goes out there and actually puts on a singlet and tries to expose that takedown defense of Shevchenko. But again, I think Lee has sketchy takedown defense herself, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Shevchenko go out there and implement it herself. So I'm going with Antonina here. All right. Next up, another clusterfuck of a fight that we got is Lando Veneta versus Mike Grundy. Ultimately, I will be going with the slight favorite here. Minus 125 on Mike Grundy. I think his wrestling will come into play. We did see Mark D. Casey not too long ago land several takedowns on Lando Veneta, accumulate close to five to six minutes of control time. Now you're getting a better wrestler here, Mike Grundy. And I know Lando Veneta has a bit of a wrestling background, but you just don't see it play out in the cage. So I think that's a big uh, no no. Mike Grundy, my issue with him is he seems to have cardio issues of his own. Obviously, he had a very strong start to that Movistar Evloev fight. I will say this, though. I do think that Evloev still deserved to win that first round, even though it seemed like Grundy was landing uh, some good strikes. Obviously, he had that very close dart stroke attempt. But uh, once they were back on the feet, Evloev was landing the big, big shots. That's truly started to change the momentum of that fight. But yeah, I... Um, uh, I had Avdoev in, in that fight, obviously. Fight before that, Grundy goes out there and knocks out Nad Naramani. Truly thought that was a little bit of a um, uh, quick stoppage, early stoppage, if you want to call it. But Grundy ends up getting his hand raised in that fight. But in this fight against Lando Venata, it seems pretty simple, right? Go out there. Let's try to drag this guy to the ground. Let's try to ride him out. Let's try to get at least two... Um, uh, two uh, two rounds in the bag and then try to stay alive long enough in that third round so you don't get knocked out. I do think that Avlov was much more of a threat to Grundy to at least finishing him in that third round than what Lando Fanata is going to bring to the table here. But it's that, that cardio that truly does have me a little bit too skeptical about what Grundy brings to the table. So I am going to go with Grundy. I think his grappling does end up being the difference maker here. But again, I just can't trust this guy, uh, even at these close odds, right? I think that the, the odds, you know, you, you can't say value is on either side here. I think whoever you want to pick, you're going to get value. Um, but I do favor that grappling heavy style a little bit more that we're, we're going to be getting from Grundy. And I'm just... I just think that Lando Veneta is now a far cry from what we knew of him when he made his UFC debut against Tony Ferguson. Ended up coming up short in that fight regardless, but I do still favor um, Mike Grundy to win this fight. <clears throat> Close fight. I think he's going to come down to the grappling. I think that Grundy's going to end up getting it. Uh, Nicklaus Grundy Venata. Ryan Grant saying Grundy lock of the night. I'm not trusting this guy with lock of the night. Danny K, Grundy sub. Should have subbed Evloev, but that dude doesn't tap. Yeah, that was a very deep uh, dark stroke he had on him, eh? My guy, Robot Chicken Wings, clearly doesn't like Lando. Daniel Moreno, Mike Grundy's a legit wrestler. I hope his MMA wrestling is on point. I think it will be. George Metcosopoulos is saying a sweaty decision for Grundy. I agree. 
Uh, James Young likes the over. Let's see what the over is sitting at. Over two and a half, minus 190. Not too bad. I don't mind it. Uh, Noah Barboza is a bold move. Okay, you guys are talking about different fights. Nine minutes, Grundy via work ethic and motivation. Lando peaked against Tony Ferg. I agree. I kind of agree. Uh, Venata Division One wrestler, Tennessee Chattanooga. Granny might not get these takedowns. I, I just don't think that we've seen those wrestling credentials in the cage for Lando right, yet, right? Like, how are you letting a guy like Mark D. Casey, primarily a striker, land takedowns as easily as he did against Venata? That's my concern. Uh, Walid Raid, Mike Grundy took down Evlov six times. That's impressive. Kangdao Chicken, this is the first time Venata is fighting at Featherweight. He might have cardio issues. Good point. I don't know why I just skid past that fact. But yeah, that's that's a very good point. Nine minutes. Yep, he's going down the division. The champ. Lando going to be a bigger 145 or Lando by KO. We gotta see how much it impacts his gas tank. Again, I don't think the Grundy has the greatest gas tank himself. Uh, but yeah, let's see what Lando looks like on the scales. Uh, and that might be something we want to uh look forward to first before you make a bet on either side here. But ultimately, I will go with Grundy and I'm gonna take him to win this fight via decision. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Jacare Souza versus uh Andre Munez, another pick them fight here very closely lined fight uh both guys bring a lot to the table um but their bread and butter has got to be their jujitsu and also if i'm not mistaken this is the prelim headliner um i do like the jockery in this fight though obviously those last five doesn't look the greatest going one and four in those fights that kevin holland fight was just so weird the way that kevin holland was able to generate as much power as he did to knock out jockery the way that he did i think a lot of people are falling into that uh that narrative that jockery is a super chinny dude the guy's only been finished by punches three times right and we're talking about kevin holland last time around uh actually it might be four times now that i'm thinking about it but it was kevin holland last time around uh, Robert Whitaker in 2017, uh, Gegard Mousasi in 2009, uh, and then there was one more earlier on in his career. But I do think he's quite durable. Uh, obviously, him being 41 years old is not the greatest look here, but the way that I think he matches up with Muniz here, I think it's going to cause Muniz some trouble. I don't think Muniz is that serviceable on the feet. Jacare is a little bit more wild and winging with his shots, and I think it could cause Muniz some trouble here. Uh, but once this fight does hit the ground, I still do give the jiu-jitsu advantage here to Jacare. You know, I again, being the guys that 10 years older here in the jiu-jitsu realm, you know, just look at Damian Maya. Damian Maya is still doing his thing with his jiu-jitsu. I think that Jacare Souza could get the better of the young gun here on the ground. Now, the issue with Munoz is it seems like he accepts the back a little bit too much. And it's been able to bail him out his past fights, like Taylor Johnson, obviously like uh, the Antonio Hoyo fight where he's able to get reversals, throw up some submissions, and obviously get some good work from uh, on top. Uh, I don't rate Antonio Hoyo that high anymore either. And then obviously the Bartos Fabinski fight, right? We see anytime that Fabinski panics against high-level jiu-jitsu guys or somewhat high-level jiu-jitsu guys, the guy gets tapped, just like he did against Gerald Mearshart uh, a couple of weeks ago. So I'm still, you know, I'm not going to the betting window to bet 
Jacare Souza in this spot. I'll say that first and foremost. But I do think he should rightfully be favored here again. Yeah, it's a it's a pick'em line. I am seeing minus one fifteen at a couple spots for Jacare Souza. But I think his heavy strikes on the feet ultimately will get this fight to the ground, and then I'm going to give the advantage to him on the ground too. And I think that he'll be able to put on the better jujitsu display and control Munez even better. Uh, but yeah, I'm going with Jacare here as long as his chin isn't completely shot, as some people make it out to be. Uh, I do think that he grinds on Munez here. Uh, and I think he wins this fight by decision. I think he still has enough left in the tank to turn away the young upstart here in Andre Munez. <clears throat> um, bu -bu 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 -bu. Noah saying, Sosa KOs Munez on the feet. Interesting. Jacare, Ryan Grant saying, Jacare's lock of the night. Evan Kroll, there's a particular fighter in this fight I'd really like to take. Of course, it, it would be Mr. Andre Munez. The champ sprinkled Jacare by KO at plus 100, plus 500. Interesting. Jacare lock, throw the key in the ocean. <laughs> Interesting. Jeez, you guys are so, so heavy on Jacare. MMA Kappa, Jack was talking that fire in his interviews. Uh, Mans Hangyo will be extremely confident with his dropping competition, possibly. My guy Rogue Strummer is saying keep dreaming on Jacare. Danny K. Munez, six in a six inch reach advantage. Don't forget suspect cardio for Sosa. I think Munez has slightly suspect cardio of his own. Uh, if Jacare loses, he should retire. I agree. Radical Rosh, you already know I'm fitting Jacare glass shot chin. I don't believe in that glass shot narrative, but it is what it is. Can't say much, especially after his last fight. Um, George is saying Jacare is so ridiculously so that I just can't bet him. Uh, Ryan Grant, he legit had a great fight with the current light heavyweight champion. He's getting no credit. Yeah, people just want to overlook him, to be honest. Uh, Noah Moon has been KO'd clean in all three of his losses. Three of those opponents had five or less wins. Eesh. Not a good look. Dracare, last five fights were the with the best in the world. Yeah, look at that. Count Gaslam, a very close fight. A fight in the third round. He was the one marching down Gaslam and landing the big shots. Could even make the case that he possibly ended up, actually should have won that fight. Goes out there and knocks out Weidman. Uh, the Jack Romanson fight was very intriguing. Blahovich, obviously champion now, and then the Holland fight was just uh, so fucking weird. Moho tenched, saying Munez, Jacare is finished. Evan Cross says, I just pray he doesn't have heart attack while walking up. That would be bad business for Uncle Dana. Robot Chicken wins that fight was great. Hugging isn't for Ryan. Uh, bang Bang, Niner Gang. I uh, didn't do that great last week. I already went over it. <laughs> Kung Dao Chicken, lots of value. And Suzuki's like only lost the competition. I agree. Jacker and Chandler both to finish plus 935. That's crazy. Everyone is heavy on Suzuki, but the line keeps moving the opposite way. I find that interesting. Nicholas West with the $20 donation. Let's fucking go. Appreciate it, brother. Truly means a lot. Shout out to anybody and any and everybody dropping on the super chat. Means a lot. Does mean a lot. Kogdaw Chicken recently biased against Jacare with a Holland loss. He should be a way bigger favorite. Interesting. Um, just saying the facts. Stromer Muniz doesn't like to be hit. I agree. Who wins the stand-up? I, I give the slight advantage to Jacare, um, but it's close. MMA hedge funds. Jacare got this one. Muniz not ready for that level. This isn't Bartos or Beginski. Exactly. Ryan Grant is saying recency bias equals value for us degenerates for sure.
name is monotheist monotheist and cyrillic <laughs> i apologize monotheist i'll try to i'll try to keep that in mind for moving forward all right let's move on to the next fight here we get into the main card here and i do want to remind you guys hit that like hit that subscribe and that would obviously be very very helpful um serge is saying what's your final pick and outcome for this one uh, i do think jock ray wins i think he wins by decision i think you could absolutely knock him out too that's another thing uh all right uh, yeah, like, subscribe if you guys haven't already. Uh, and again, a reminder, at the top of the hour, I'm going to be on another podcast, Breaking the Fights Down with the Club and Sub podcast. Uh, search them up on YouTube. Very solid group amount of guys. Uh, and I can't wait to break it down for them. Uh, very, very good fight. Uh, very, very good card. And very, very good uh, group of analysts and predictors that we have over there on the Club and Sub pod. So once again, I will be breaking down the fights with them at 10 o'clock. All right. Next fight, we got Machinal versus Hodgerio Bontrin. Minus 155 on Schnell, plus 135 on Bontrin. Now, the issue here is I'm pissed at myself. When Machinal and Tyson Nam were originally scheduled to fight each other, I believe it was back in November, I was on the Schnell train. I was even going to bet Schnell, to be honest. And uh, for some reason, the fight gets canceled and they get booked again. And I have a complete 180. And I end up betting Nam by knockout. Now, I'm not sure if subconsciously I just let people get into my head and just like, oh, look at Chanel getting knocked out the way that he does. He has no chin, blah, blah, blah. Tyson Nam, one of the bigger hitters in that division. If he lands once on Chanel, Chanel's probably going out. But Chanel ate some good shots in that fight and kept chugging forward and kept getting his own game plan off, which I think was... um was the right way to go about it the entire time. The guy has great combinations. I think his footwork is great. I think his movement is great. Um, I think his uh, speed, his hand speed, is definitely one of the best parts of his game, not to mention his sneaky submission game. Uh, Schnell is someone that I believe is much, very much um, overlooked in this division. Not to mention, this fight is actually up at 135 pounds and not at 125. The reason being, not 100% sure, but regardless, it is up at 135. Uh, and then Algeria on the uh, on the other hand, right? Uh, gets grapple fucked by Ray Borg over 50 minutes. And then in his last fight against Kai Car Friends, absolutely dominates him on the mat in the jiu-jitsu room. Has his back multiple times, has multiple rear naked choke opportunities, but then ultimately is not able to pay, uh, get it going and uh, gets knocked the fuck out. You know, very, very uh, interesting uh, combination that Kai Car Friends was able to put together. Uh, pretty much head plant, not even face planting Hajari Bantarini, head planting him. Uh, it was very... Like, if he was completely out, that would have been really bad. That could have really spiked him very bad, the way that he dropped. Um, but yeah, great power in Cara Francis' hands. And obviously, he was able to take away Bontrine in that fight. Now, Schnell is able to keep this fight vertical. If he's able to stay away from the, the, the takedowns of Bontrine, I do trust the takedown defense of Schnell. I'll say that first and foremost. But Bontrine, even with Car France, he didn't even really need to get a takedown. It was just he's going to latch onto him and then eventually get him into his world and end up getting that back. That would give me some cause for concern. Uh, I need Schnell to kind of distance himself a little bit more from the Alexandre Pantoja knockout. Once we know that he can continuously take big shots, and I will say I believe that Tyson Nam has better power and more power than what Bontarin brings to the table, uh, but the, it is still a little bit of a concern in the back of my head. Um, but I, I expect this fight to mainly play out on the feet, and I give Schnell the, the ever-so-slight... Um, 
uh, advantage here. I think he's going to be able to box up on screen pretty easily here. Stay away from the, from the grappling. Uh, once he really starts implementing his game with the striking, it's going to keep Bontrian at the end of his strikes, and then he's really going to be able to get going with his movement, his boxing, and his combinations. Does he finish Bontrian? I'm not 100% sure. I'm going to take Schnell to win by decision, uh, but again, a very close fight. I do agree that Schnell deserves to be a favorite here. Minus 150-ish does sound about right, um, but I do have little concerns here. Again, if Bontrian is able to get his jiu-jitsu game going somehow, whether it's controlling Schnell or obviously getting that submission, uh, and then Schnell's durability, right? He did hit some big shots from Nam, but we never know when the lights could go out considering how he's been put out in the past. So I'm going to go with Schnell. I'll take Schnell by decision. Um, uh, one more thing I will say. Well, actually, you know what? Uh, his fight against Naiki in Na Naoki Inoue uh, over five fights ago now comes in as a plus 165 dog. And I was one of those guys that was very big on Inoue back in the day considering how good his jiu-jitsu looked. But his ability to get this fight to the grappling and, and the wrestling and the jiu-jitsu just didn't work out. I think Bontrin would do a better job of doing that uh, than what Inoue brought to the table. So I don't want to put too much emphasis on the Inoue fight considering that both guys need to get their grappling going to be successful. But I do think that Bontrin could be slightly more successful than what Inoue brings to the table. Not to mention Bontrin, much better striker than what Inoue brought to the table back then. Ultimately, though, I'm going to go match now. I'm going to go with him to outpoint I'll, I'll Bontrine on the feet and win this fight via decision. All right, let's see what the chat is saying here. Under two and a half, I like in this one. Interesting. <clears throat> Champ has Bontrian by sub plus 450. Not too bad of a prop. MMA Kappa, Bontrian by sub at plus 700, I believe that is. Darth Vader, this card is tough as fuck to call, but the lines are so good to bet. I know. Schnell Bontrian, I've heard people really confident on Schnell. I like Schnell, but again, I'm probably not going to bet him here. AG Schnell doubles him up on strikes and has a slick BJJ game in the back pocket. Schnell beat the, beat the guy up. Ryan Grant is on Schnell as well. Big Bird PH Schnell looked great off the back foot last fight. Don't know how he's going to be pressuring this fight or who's going to be pressuring. Rogue Strummer saying Tyson M is terrible. Uh, no, a fight doesn't go to decision could be a sneaky play. Yeah, both guys could get the finish. Now does have some power in his hands. <clears throat> Urban men of New Jersey saying if you beat a Magomedov, you become lock of the night. Uh, I will say though, he had one win after beating Magomed Bibulatov, but I don't think he deserved to get that win. Uh, again, nasty cut that he incurred on, um, Holly and Paiva's skull. But uh, yeah, if that fight went longer, I, th I think Paiva would win that fight. Darth Vader, Chanel might shit in the apple pie, though. Bontrian trying to get that KO back, possibly. Bryce is saying Bontrian will bum rush Chanel. Could happen. Big Bird PH, Bontrian pull pulling in TV Dye, coming back this soon. Yeah, that, that is a quick turnaround. UFC 259 was not that long ago, which is what I think he fought at. I wouldn't doubt it in my gut saying Bontrian, he looks good even in his losses. DG9 saying Dalkis is a fucking bitch. Uh, trust me, I'm mad at him too. Austin Johnson is now by decision most likely. I hope he doesn't try to brawl. Yeah, he's got to stay very, very consistent and disciplined on the feet. 
MMA God is stopping by. What's going on, my brother? Uh, just subbed. I thought you did well with underdogs last week on your analysis. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. My bets didn't go the greatest, but my predictions are pretty on point. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, Bryce D. Bontrian will force a brawl. That's what he does. Yeah, I agree. Dabfather doesn't think Bontrian's chin is healed. Robot Chicken Wings. Dam is terrible. He, sh he should be working at TC Penny. God, you're so savage, Robot Chicken Wings. Um, Big Bird PH. Wonder if fans make this fight a brawl. Don't know if that's smart for Chanel, but in my opinion, is very underrated. I agree. I think Chanel is uh, too much of a vet at this point in time to let the crowd uh, goad him into a, a crazy uh, brawl or anything like that. Darth Vader, so many semi pick em spots on this card. The degenerate in me can't resist. I'm going to be honestly, I'm going to have very light action on this. Very, very light action on this card. Ryan Grant is saying, taking all the Americans versus non Americans if the fights go to the decision, Texas judges. Again, I don't believe too much in that. Daniel Moreno, I'm going to wait till wins and see the size difference. Good point. Good point. Sir, you like the, in the distance here. Yeah, I think Snow wins by decision, but I do think the fight doesn't go to the decision is live. I know it's at plus money. I think it is live, though. I think that we could potentially see um, both guys get a finish here, but I'm going to ultimately go with Snow by decision, though. George, what's Snow by sub? I can see Buntering getting one of his sloppy takedowns and getting caught in a triangle in between scrambles. I'd be surprised as hell if Snow got a submission here, to be honest. Tars Fader saying, fuck it, Bontra by flying on Maplata. Or I was saying, may stay away from this one. Yeah, I would too. Uh, WWE freak official Schnell thrives in the big cage. All right. Let's move on to the next fight here. We got Adson Barboza going up against Shane Burgos. Minus 140 on Burgos, plus 120 on, on a Barboza. In terms of the line movement, uh, Burgos did open minus 135. We had some action on Barboza, and now it's back down to minus 140 on Burgos. <clears throat> and before jumping into the tape for this fight, I was thinking that Barboza was a live dog, right? The last impression that I have of Shane Burgos in my head is Shane Burgos getting teed off on uh, by Josh Emmett, who I obviously don't believe is as good of a striker as Edson Barboza. Shane Burgos is just so hittable. That's that's the issue, right? Emmett, anytime he threw a strike, it seemed like it would land completely clean on Burgos, not to mention the amount of power that Emmett is able to have in his hands. I believe somebody pulled it up where it was like, Josh Emmett has, I believe he has a knockdown in almost every fight that he's had in the UFC. Let me just pull that statistic up here. But, uh, okay, I lied. Not in every fight. He knocked down Felipe Aranches four times, didn't finish him. Uh, knocked down Ricardo Lamas, knocked down Jeremy Stevens, knocked down Michael Johnson, knocked down Rashad Bektic, and then knocked down Shane Burgos twice. That's what, three, four, five, six, ten knockdowns in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine fights. Ten knockdowns in eight fights. That is absolutely insane. Josh Emmett has ridiculous power in his hands. So maybe I was letting that weigh into my head a little bit too much before jumping into the tape here. But one thing that we know that uh, Edson Barboza truly struggles with is with guys that are able to put the pressure on him and make him fight off of his back foot. And I absolutely believe that's what we're going to be getting here with Shane Burgos and his ability to kind of push forward and get his own game going. 
I don't know if Edson Barboza has that one-shot knockout power. Uh, I don't think he does unless he hits one of those crazy spinning back heel kicks or something like that. Um, even with Burgos, though, I think that he'll be able to eat those, and I think that he'll have slightly more volume. Or volume. Volume would be nice too, but I think you'll have some better volume here. I think he's going to be the one marching forward. I think he's going to be the one getting the better strikes off. And as long as he doesn't allow Barboza to kick his legs off, he should be able to keep that pressure on from minute one to minute 15. I've seen a couple of people on Barboza by, or sorry, on Burgos by knockout. I'm not 100% of the belief that that's actually going to come to fruition. And even the under two and a half, which again, between two vicious strikers like this is always live, but I do think this fight is going to go the full 15 minutes regardless. I think Burgos has the better uh, versatility of strikes. I think his ability to mask his head kicks behind his combinations are very, is very impressive, but you got to give some, uh, uh, some, some props to Barboza in terms of the speed of his kicks too. Even at 35 years old, I think the guy has probably the fastest and more strongest kicks that you'll ever see in the UFC division or UFC period. Um, let's not forget, this is his third fight down at 145 pounds. Hasn't missed weight yet. Has looked good on the scales each time. But at what point is it going to start to catch up to him that uh, when he starts fighting heavy hitters like uh, Burgos and like uh, other guys uh, that he's going to have to eventually fight at 145? At what point is it going to start to catch up to him? This could be the fight. Could be the fight. But I truly think I I see this fight playing out as uh, Barboza giving up his back foot for the majority of the fight. Burgos pushing forward. Burgos having a higher output. And Burgos landing the better strikes. So Burgos is probably one of my heavier leans after running the tape now. Um which is crazy again. Like when I gave out my leans on the Patreon earlier this week, I had Barboza as one of the few underdogs that I liked on the card, but after running the tape, man, it's hard not to like Burgos. Again, a lot of it as to why I was leaning uh, Barboza uh, early in the week was because the, the last images I had was Burgos getting lit up by Josh Emmett. But again, Josh Emmett may not be technically the better striker than Barboza, but one thing you can give Emmett is that he has a ton of power in his hands, and I think that was truly... Uh, truly waning on Shane Burgos, which is why Burgos wasn't able to get his game going to the best of its ability. So I'll go with Burgos, and I'll go with Burgos by decision. Um, and I think that pressure and that forward movement is eventually going to break Barboza, and he's just not going to get off the cleaner shots. And I think it's going to give him trouble here in terms of dealing with Bar what Burgos brings to the table. Let's see what the chat is saying here. Um, Daniel K saying violence fight of the night. Yeah, it's gonna be absolutely fight of the night. Ben saying this fight to not go to the decision is plus one thirty. Thinks it's a gift. Could be, could be. Uh, nine minutes. I had bets on Bravoza that I switched over to Burgos. This fight is tricky, very tricky fight, but I do feel quite confident in Burgos in the spot. Nine minutes. I had a terrible week last week, so my confidence is pretty low. Hoping to bounce back. Trust me. Me too. <laughs> me too. Um, uh, MMA Kappa NZ saying battle of attrition. And Burgos takes as much as he gives. Ken gives, as you said. Might take a stab at fight. Doesn't go to decision at plus money. I don't hate anybody that's on that. Nicklaus West is saying I'm leaning Burgos, and everyone is trying to talk me off it. They're making some sense too, but shit, I think I may stick with Shane. Yeah, I'm gonna be with Burgos here as well. No, it's crazy to me. Barboza Burgos have the same height and reach. Yeah, right. Considering how uh, Barboza was a 155er for so long. Ryan Grant saying fight of the night. I agree. No, Burgos on my head seems like a giant. Yeah. Urban Men in New Jersey. Burgos and Barboza five on in 
is savage. Obviously, Barboza is long in the tooth, but he's still insane with the spinning wheel kicks. I like the value for inside the distance of plus 115. This is probably going to be one of those fights where like everybody bets the inside the distance, but like it's going to get so close, but just never end up hitting. <laughs> Rogue Strummer has uh, Barboza inside the distance plus 450. Interesting. Interesting. Burgos is a zombie. He won't stop. I agree. Duck is going to DG9 does not like Duck is. Trust me, he fucked up my big parlay as well. I was going to have 10K cash on that parlay, but Duck is fucking up for me. Alum is Burgos just had a baby big motivation for most male fighters. I agree. Nine minutes. I see the pressure in the hands for Barbosa, mainly box and Burgos having the better hands, but I can also see Barbosa destroying Shane's legs with kicks. Yeah, that's a concern here for me as well. Uh, I get Barboza by KO because Shane doesn't stop coming, even if he's hurt. Could cost him again. I agree. Burgos took Emmett's best shots and still couldn't get finished. Exactly. That's a big thing for me here. Genova is saying it being fight of the night, fight of the night as a chalky locky. <laughs> I agree. Jonathan Westerfield, typically Barboza only loses a grapplers. However, Burgos should keep Barboza moving back, which works in his favor. Plus, Barboza doesn't have the best job to keep Burgos off of him. I do agree. I absolutely agree. Austin Johnson, this is a battle of ranges. It's going to be very clear at what time who the dominant one is, got Burgos and got the fight to not go to the decision. Search Burgos insider on the cards. I'm taking cards, but I could see inside the distance too. I even think that you're getting a decent line on him straight, so I wouldn't mind even just taking the straight. Zach, I went nine and nine last week, so my dude's know is at an all time high. <laughs> Kung Dao chicken Burgos is so chinny and has horrible striking defense. Barboza will catch him. Is he that chinny though? Like he ate everything that Emmett gave him and was still moving forward. He got knocked out by Cater, obviously, but. Again, those are only two losses. How can you truly call him chilly? Chinny. Emmett has some nuclear bombs in his hands. Just want to catch up to the live chat here before I move on. George is saying, I actually like Burgos before running the tape. Now it's a pass for me, not betting in favor of Barboza, especially at 145. DG9 saying Barboza controls the range and wins. I think he's going to struggle with keeping Burgos off of uh, off of him. I think Burgos is going to be the one moving forward, to be honest. Why wow, Yilal Gaban is saying how Shane's wrestling. I think it's underrated, but I don't think it's going to come into play here. I'd be surprised to see him actually take a grapple-heavy approach, to be honest. DG9 saying I'm salty in case you can talk. Trust me. I'm just a salty. I've gotten over it, though. We got more fights to look forward to, my brother. Uh, Going to bet under in case. So Bravo is a clip shame, but I think Shane's pressure on volume and one of the decision both get cash under. I agree. Kung Dao Chicken, people talking about range and reach advantage with Barbosa, Bar Burgos. Let's not forget Barbosa, Demar Hooker, who is similar to height and reach of Burgos. But I think they just have two different styles. That's the only difference here. All right, let's move on to the next video here. Again, at the top of the hour, I'm going live on another stream, so I want to wrap this up by at least 9.45. All right, next up, we got Katlin Chikagin versus Viviani Arujo. This is another one where I kind of feel strongly about uh, Katlin Chikagin. She's minus 135, plus 115 on Arujo. And Arujo is one of those girls that was quite big on, especially after her UC debut against Talita Bernardo. But 
I feel like she still has some issues here. And I think Kotlin Shikagan, similar to Neil Magny last week, has that type of style that's going to make it very difficult for opponents to get the win. Like, look at the last two losses for Kotlin Shikagan. Valentina Shevchenko, Jessica Andrade. I think both girls are levels above what Viviani Arujo brings to the table. And I think Arujo is going to struggle with the style of Chukagin here. I think that Chukagin, you know, we know what her style is. Stay on your bicycle. Keep the jab out on your face. Finish off with some leg kicks. Um, you know, just forever moving, forever working, volume, volume, volume. Uh, and even in the, the, the Antonia Shevchenko fight, right? She started going and using her brown belt in jiu-jitsu, dragging the fight to the ground and completely man or woman handling uh, Antonina uh, and getting that decision there. Arujo has decent takedown defense. She seems to have, some, have good hips in terms of stuffing people's takedowns. The one thing that does stick out to me a lot about Arujo is that second round against Alexis Davis. Now she's really, you know, uh, distancing herself from that fight. And nobody's really been able to do what Alexis Davis did in that second round to her ever since then. But that is a bit of a concern here in case that's an approach that Chukagian wants to take. My concern is I don't think that Chukagian will end up getting those takedowns. Um the, the issue with Viviani is, which is why I believe that Jessica I was successful in their fight, was Jessica I always stuck something out there. She was always staying in Arujo's face. You know, she was not letting Arujo get comfortable. Arujo was doing her dancing around and all that type of shit. But Jessica I was always laying on the combinations and being first and staying in her face. And that's exactly what I think we're going to get here with Chikagian. I think Chikagian will stay active enough that Arujo won't be able to get comfortable. I think Chikagian will stay active enough that we'll see Arujo kind of like deer in the headlights type of thing where she's like, oh, I should be throwing strikes, but I just can't because I keep getting hit. And I think that's what Chukagian's going to do here to a T from minute one to minute 15. And again, the pace that Chukagian's going to put on her, I think Arujo's gas tank issues, which I think she still has, will come to fruition even more in that third round. I think Chukagian is just going to lay on her. Like even in the De La Rosa and uh, Montefiore fights, the De La Rosa fight specifically, when you see De La Rosa going first and when you see her sticking her punches out there and landing on Viviani, Viviani is almost... Not confused per se, but just stuck, doesn't really know what to do. And then instead of getting out of the way and being on her bicycle like Chukagin is, Del Rosa stays in a in a position, stays at a range that Arujo is gonna able gonna able to get her shots off and really damage Del Rosa the way that she did. Obviously, Del Rosa's face was a complete mess after that fight. But Chukagin's not gonna be there. Chukagian has endless cardio. She stays on her bike very well, and she gets out of the way of big shots very, very well, in my opinion. Um, again, I, I think she's going to stick and move very well here against Rujo, and then you know the way that Rujo is going to get nullified, and, and she's going to get confused. She's going to get stressed out. Her cardio is going to start to impact her later, later in this fight. And I think Chukagian cruises here, to be honest. My only concern is if Arujo goes the way of grapple-fucking Chukagian, because that could be a way. that There are times where Chukagian struggles to get up off the of bottom, and she does do a decent job of getting back up off the of bottom uh, in other uh, instances. How good is Arujo's top game? I'm not completely sold on it that it's anything amazing, right? Montefiore was able to get back to her feet relatively easily. Arujo's timing on her takedowns were very good, so maybe that's something that she can catch Chukagian off, uh, off guard with. Um so that's a little bit of my concern. But if this fight plays out on the feet for the majority of the 15 minutes, I give the edge to Chukagin. She may not land the biggest shots. She may not land the most impactful shots, but she's going to be landing way more shots, and she's going to be staying on her bicycle that Arujo, for the majority of it, is going to be whiffing at air. So I like Arujo, or uh, Chukagin here. Minus 135, I think, is a great line. Um, and yeah, I, I really like Chukagin in this spot. All right, let's see what... 
chat is saying here. George is saying, uh, Chuk by decision, pretty confident on this one. I'm right there with you. Ryan Grant, you're kicking to piss me off with loud noises for 50 minutes, minus 1,000. MMA Kappa, Chukagian via decision, 3027 across all boards, right there with you. Joseph Sasso thinks Chukagian ruins my guy's ticket. I don't agree with that. DJ9 is saying Chukagian only fans open. Did she actually open one up? Kung Dao Chicken, she'll sway the judges. Yep. Joseph Sasso, she has a five inch height advantage, but the same reaches, but the reach is the same. I know. That's hilarious. Urban Men of NJ, under two and a half for this fight is plus 300. I think it's possible. I, I don't think it, it's happening. Uncle Weezy, Viviani has more ways to win this fight. Viv has 93% takedown defense, and she can take Atlan down whenever she wants. Viv has more power, too. The takedowns is what is what concerns me as a true Kagan backer. But we'll see how successful she is with it. Evan Cross saying lock the night territory, maybe. Uh why lead Raid, Catlin's two losses are by KO. Arujo wins by KO plus seven fifty is a steal. I, I just don't think that uh She'll land the way that well, Shevchenko obviously ground and pounded her to a finish, right? And Andrade lands a beautiful body shot to finish her. I don't know if Arujo will land that. Danny K is saying you're talking me into Gatlin. I think she's a solid spot, man. I think this is a great stylistic matchup for her. No, I still don't get why UFC hasn't made the buys base couple versus De La Rosa couple. That'll be great. Oh, yeah, De La Rosa did get cut. You're right. Chook equals choke. Don't get it twisted. I got you. Boachinia versus Cannonier, August 24th. Is that is that confirmed? Can somebody confirm that for you, boy, real quick? Jamal Emers versus Pat Sabatini on August 28th. Rose Medic versus Jalen Turr. Not a bad fight either. Yeah, if somebody can confirm that Cannonier boy chain thing, that would be great. Um, Madalena is high locked in my wise. Everybody heavy on Arujo, like if she was a favorite underdog. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it with myself. William Hagmeister, what's up, lock? Going to be a fire card. I'm here in Houston for a about to rewind video. I'm late, man. You're gonna. I'm assuming that you're going to the fights. Lucky for you if that's what happens. Uncle Easy, that 34% striking accuracy for true game is also off-putting. Her staying busy enough and making it look like she's setting her opponent is great. <laughs> like it's great for the judges to be honest as well. The fight goes a distance worth adding into long shot parlay. Seems kind of guaranteed. Yeah, I, I like the fight to go to decision. I, I really, really do. Crazy one, Charles LeBronx holds up the title. We'll see about that. <laughs> George is saying Chukagan does not commit on her shots. It will be difficult to take her down. W the cage also works to her advantage. I agree. Thanks for confirming it. Paulo versus Canyon August 21st. Not bad. All right. Let's move on to the Coleman event here. We got Tony Ferguson against Benil Darius. Plus 155 on Ferguson. Minus 175 on the Assyrian Benil Darius. Now, everybody's going, everybody and their mother is going out there and, and fitting Tony Ferguson. All right. 
Apparently, Tony Ferguson is a completely washed man. He's not the same since that Justin Gaethje loss. And, you know, everybody's just like, Benio is a shoe in here, especially considering the winning streak that Benio is currently on. I'm not one of those guys. Now, I am picking Benio to still win this fight. Don't get me wrong, because you'd have to be absolutely crazy and they had to go out there and put on Ferg put money on Ferguson, considering how he's looked in his last two fights. But I wouldn't count out Ferguson at this point in time. Right. Benil should have that advantage of taking this fight to the ground as easily as Charles did. You know, the way that he was able to do Diego Fajera, kind of chain wrestle, get the fight to the ground and start controlling him with his jujitsu. But let's not completely write off Ferguson, right? Like the, the last time we saw him fight against Charles Oliveira, yeah, that was very underwhelming. We've never seen that happen to Tony Ferguson. But Charles has great jujitsu, just as Benil does. But what what wrinkles is Ferguson going to add to his game? Like, it, it could look weird that Ferguson is able to still, like, throw up shots from the, his back and land elbows, cut up a new Darius or do something like that. And even on the feet, you know, I think that the wild style of Ferguson could cause some issues for Darius. The only thing that's keeping me from betting Ferguson is that, again, he just hasn't looked great in his last two fights. But they're top-level competition. Like, you're talking about Justin Gaethje was fighting for the title after that or was the interim champion after that. And then, obviously, Charles Oliveira, who's fighting for the title this, on this event, too. But, you know, Yush is so close to that. And, again, he has all the tools in the pocket to go out there and do that exact same game plan against Tony Ferguson. But... I think it, like, Benio might get dragged into that fucking firefight just as he always did, like in the close fight, the Holtzman fight, the Camacho fight. The guy goes out there and just swings leather. Um, but he's got to know he's right there to a, a potential title shot if he's able to overcome Tony Ferguson this weekend. And maybe we can see him go out there and actually grapple fuck Tony Ferguson the way that Charles Oliveira did. And I think that's the most likely outcome here. But I'm not going to go out there and fake my guy Tony Ferguson just because, you know, he lost to Gaethje and Oliveira. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not playing minus 175 on Darius to get uh, to get the win here. I do think he wins, but I'm just not as confident as most people s seem to be. People are just like, hit me up, lock of the night, Darius, lock of the night, Darius. I'm not counting out Tony Ferguson. If there's anybody that's going to be able to come back from any type of adversity, it's a guy like Tony Ferguson. And Benio Darius, great fighter, but does get sucked into to, to wars at times. Um, how success is he going to be as successful as Oliveira in terms of you know being that dominating on the ground? I don't know. Uh, I, I do think Oliveira has better striking than Darius as well, so that's another concern if you're a Benio a backer here. And Ferguson, again, technically never the best fighter, but is able to create chaos and just create so much uh, volatility that things could just get very shaky real quick, especially if you're a Benio backer. But ultimately, I will go with Benio. I'll go with him to win this fight and grind this fight out by decision, but I'm not running run, run to, the, to the betting window to bet Darius here. Let's see with the chat. See, Joseph, Joseph Sasso right away. <laughs> Darius started out. I don't have that confidence in him. Lead Raid, Benil is a lock. He wasn't scared to take down Moises Safaera. Why would an old Tony be any different? I agree. A Loomis is all over Tony. People forget Tony dropped Justin in that fight, but I like Darius possibly by sub. I'd be surprised if Darius subs Ferguson. I think he has the ability to. I just don't know if he will. No, I was saying people sleeping on Tony Stano, but Darius wrestling him stuck in my head. Yeah, it's it's the wrestling at the end of the day that's a little bit of a concern for me. Uh, if I were to back Tony Ferguson here, the champ Ferguson is thirty-seven years old, coming off eight straight rounds getting destroyed. I got Benny. 
Two of the most avoided in the division. My heart's on Ferguson. My cash is on Darius. Yeah, my 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 heart is with Ferguson too. Big Ferguson fan. I'm trying not to let that play into my 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 bias here or or my predictions. But again, I feel like we can't be counting out Ferguson as as easily as most people seem to be right now. Yeah, good point by Loomis here. Benil is a little chinny. He keeps getting bailed out because he just manages to knock out his opponents too. So there are concerns about Benil's chin here. Goldie Ferguson via 30-23 Murda. Damn, that'll be crazy. Uncle Weezy appears that Tony's all action, blocking punches with his face to how it's caught up with him. One of my favorite fighters of all time. Hope he has one win left in him. Yeah, it would be nice. A Loomis, Benio couldn't take down Close, spend forever on his back, doing nothing. Uh, I think Close has a better wrestling background, if I'm not mistaken. But again, Tony Ferguson's lack of takedown defense in his last fight was very, very concerning. OR is saying, I think Tony is a great fighter, but age is catching up to him. His fighting style relies on his chin and cardio, which fade over years. I think his cardio is still good, but yeah, you, you might be right about his chin. Urban Man in New Jersey, Ferguson by sub plus 1400. I still think he's got a Darcy in him. Not bad. Zach A. Tony looked like dog shit, but I can still see him getting Benny tired and knock him out in third. Possibly, again, it, it's very hard to back Ferguson off those, after those last two losses, but I'm not willing to write him off as easy as most people are. Waila Gaban, thing that scares me is Benio has been walking around drinking coffee with his pregnant girl the whole time on embedded. <laughs> George saying, if Benio gets the first round without wrestling, it would be a good opportunity to live bet Tony. Tony usually drops the first round, but if Benio commits to a brawl, Tony could get a comeback win. Yep. Um, Dirty Reg saying, what was the lean on the Jockery fight? I got Jockery, but no real confidence there. Uncle Weezy, Benio has 40% control time in his UFC career and has only yielded 9% control time. Tony has been out-controlled 18% to 3% by his competition. Lay and pray victory to Benio. Yeah, that's where I think is most likely here. Just a sass, all I want to cash tickets this weekend. Last weekend was the fifth losing week in months. Jesus. Not, not a bad run. Or, or very bad run, I should say. William Hegmeister, Tony has a great chin. Don't think Benio can KO him. We'll be interested to see if Benio can take down, but I think he will still want to stand. I think that uh, Benio will take him down and grind him out via decision here. So, yeah, I got uh, Benio by decision. All right, let's get to the main event here. We got Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler. Very tough fight to call, man. Very, very fucking tough fight to call. We got minus 130 on Dobronx, plus 110 on Michael Chandler. Uh, Dobronx has been making some insane amount of improvements since he last lost to Paul Felder, which I believe was about nine fights ago now. Um, that's a fight where I think Charles quit, right? Like he threw up a bunch of submissions and couldn't really get uh, Paul Felder out of there. I had a bunch of submission opportunities, just couldn't lock anything up. And then Paul Felder gutted it out and eventually ground and pound Charles Oliveira into oblivion. Uh, but since then, Charles has looked like an absolutely new man, right? Charles Oliveira 2.0, if you want to call him that. The guy's been in the UFC for a decade now, if I'm not mistaken. A long, long time. We've seen him grow up in front of our eyes pretty much. But as of late, his run has been absolutely insane. But... I will put a little bit of an, an asterisk on it. Let's be honest, right? Like, look at the level of competition up until the point that he fought Kevin Lee. Clay Guida, meh. 
Christos Yagos, meh. Jim Miller, meh. David Tamor, not too bad of a striker, but was getting lit up in that fight. So let's give him some credit there. Nick Lentz, he's already beaten him twice before. Jared Gordon, again, meh. Kevin Lee, having success uh, in that second round, especially at a point where Charles Oliveira had to look up at the ref like, what the fuck, dude? And you have Kevin Lee in your half guard, landing some good damage from on top, but Charles Oliveira could do nothing in terms of getting his all fame jujitsu go off uh, or even try to get back to his feet. So that was a big concern for me in terms of being a Charles Oliveira backer. And then obviously we know Kevin Lee, a notorious uh, gasser, and Charles Oliveira was able to capitalize on a beautiful timed guillotine when Kevin Lee was going in for a very lazy takedown, gets the tap uh, within 28 seconds. And then obviously the last fight, I'll give him all credit for that. We've never seen Charles Oliveira implement that type of game plan, and he did it to a T against a very tough fighter in Tony Ferguson, who I thought if anybody was going to break Charles Oliveira again, it would be Tony Ferguson. But that lack of takedown defense from Ferguson was very, very concerning, which is why uh, Charles Oliveira was able to win that fight as easily as he did. Now you got Michael Chandler here, who I believe is one of the tougher fights he's had in this stretch. And uh, I think that Chandler could knock him out, man. Like, don't get me wrong. Charles Oliveira looks great on the feet and he's making all these improvements, great leg kicks, my issue is doesn't really move his head off the center line. It's pretty much right there to be blasted into the sixth row if Michael Chandler lands one of his bombs, which he's been able to in his last several fights. Um, and, and also with uh, Oliveira, I, I I am concerned that he still has that that quit in him. With uh, uh, Chandler, though, never been submitted in his career. He's gone up against some decent jiu-jitsu players. Obviously, I believe that Oliver is probably the most dangerous and the guy closest to his peak that he's fighting uh, who's that good in jiu-jitsu, so that is a bit of a concern. Uh, and in the you know in the striking realm, I, I do give Oliver the slight advantage in terms of you know being the minute winner, being the guy that's going to go out there and you know land more strikes. Whereas Chandler, you know, when we see him get versatile with his striking, it mainly comes with him just mixing it up to the body. And that's really about it. You know, it's not like, you know, leg kicks and all this crazy striking. It's, you know, body shots and then up to the head and eventually try to knock you out with the blitz uh, moving forward with his explosiveness. The guy has speed. I think he'll have the speed advantage here, which could cause Charles Oliver some problems. And then my, my concern with Chandler is if he decides to go for the takedowns earlier, he's going to have to deal with an active guard from Charles Oliveira. Don't get me wrong. But the longer he goes in this fight, I think the easier it's going to be for him to kind of slice through the guard of Charles Oliveira, start to break Charles, and then land some good for, shots from on top. Charles is super dangerous, though. That's why I'm like I'm super concerned about this fight. But the one thing that I do think is quite certain to happen is I think that the under two and a half is going to hit, no matter who wins in this fight. Whether it's Chandler charging him early, or if it's Charles Oliveira landing a sub, landing some beautiful you know, Muay Thai, and then eventually putting Michael Chandler out, because I do think that Chandler has a sketchy chin himself. This fight is going to be super volatile. You can say you can have guys that are on one side saying that you know Oliveira is a lock. You can have some guys on one side saying that Chandler is a lock. I absolutely disagree. There is no lock in this fight on sides, but I do think there's a good spot for the under two and a half here. I think it's still around minus one fifty, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, minus one fifty five, minus one sixty at a couple of places. But I do think that the under two and a half is probably the best way to approach this fight. It's going to be violence from the get go, and honestly, I'd feel a little bit more comfortable if the under, over under. Uh, the widely available over under was set at three and a half, but still give me two and a half. I hit the two and a half in the Kevin Lee fight. Obviously, that reaching the third round was a little bit sweaty for me, but thank God Kevin Lee's gas tank failed him. And again, I think that Chandler has the chops to go out there and potentially break Charles. 
Um, again, I'm slightly skeptical about the the streak that Charles has been on, considering his level of competition. But then again, you got Michael Chandler coming over from Bellator, beating guys like Brandon Gertz, uh, Brandon Gertz, and Brent Premier, Sydney Outlaw, the ghost of Benson Henderson. So he doesn't have a great resume of his own. But he did assert himself pretty easily into the UFC's uh, lightweight division by knocking out Daniel Elker the way that he did. He's going to have to check the leg kicks of uh, Charles Oliveira. Daniel Hooker seemed to land one or two good calf kicks that did seem to debilitate Tra uh, Michael Chandler a little bit. But again, I expect this fight to be violence from the get-go. Charles Oliveira is always in violence. I think the Tony Ferguson fight was the first time he's gone to a decision since the Jeremy Stevens fight back in 2014. Then he got taken to a decision with uh, Frankie Edgar. Like Since being in the UFC, he's gone to, I believe, only... Yeah, three decisions. Frank Edgar, Jeremy Stevens, which he won. Edgar, he lost. And then most recently against Tony Ferguson. So, ultimately, I'm going Michael Chandler. I think he lands that bomb early here. I think he puts Charles Oliveira out. And we get a new lightweight champion. I'm going with Michael Chandler by knockout. Uh, don't know if I'll be making a bet on him, but I do like the under two and a half, and I think that's my strongest read on this card. All right, let's see. What the chat is saying here, and then I'm going to wrap things up because I have another stream to get up on in about 15 minutes. God damn, you guys killed the fucking chat here. Shout out to the 140 members, 140 live viewers on here. Make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe. Hit up that Patreon as well too. Again, I had a bad betting weekend this past week, but I do expect to get back on the horse this weekend. Hammering Hog, good pick, uh, underdog pick on Trezano. Yeah, that, I was happy that one came through. Rip Lemons asking how the parlay went. Daukus fucked it for me, so that was not nice. Zach A saying, you got any 1FC leans tomorrow? I do not. I do not at all. Um, I'm just going to quickly sift through the comments here so I can get to uh, at least get to the live here. Zach A's got Chandler 1. Um, Urban Man of New Jersey finally let me plead my case. Oliveira stopped his own fight twice against Max and Cub. He's been finished seven times. Michael Chandler is the rematch king, and he's won five rounds multiple times. I don't think scorecards are going to come into play here at all. Danny K, I think if if this becomes a war, uh, Chandler, I don't think he'll be able to control Chandler like he did TF. I agree. The champ says Charles pieces up Chandler on the feet. Yeah, I think he has way more tools on the feet. Um, does he knock him out? Possibly. Ramirez, Alex Ramirez in the chat. What's going on, buddy? Dirty Reg, in a quick look of Chandler's opponents, I don't see anyone with the submission game at Oliveira. I think the closest are um, Gaiotti Yamauchi and Sydney Outlaw, but the Sydney Outlaw fight we didn't even see play out on the ground. And then in the Yamauchi fight, Chandler did a good job of staying out of the submissions there. Um, I believe 22 out of 25 of Yamauchi's wins are by submission. Guys, very good black belt. But again, I think Charles might be on a different level as well. Joseph Sasso saying Charles is a lock this week. Go ahead and bet on big boy Chandler. This is one moment of shine. See so you at the top. There is no lock in this fight. I promise you guys there is no lock on either money line side here. Um, Five-round fight favors Charles. If it, go, if it were three, I'd go Chandler. I, I think it's the other way around. I think the longer this fight goes, the more that it favors Chandler, to be honest. Nicola would be JJ. You see this going to the distance or no? I do not. 
Joseph Sasso, he relies too heavily on his hands, and Hooker got so badly damaged in the fight versus Poirier. Uncle Weezy, fight doesn't go to decision, it's free money for the main event, best part of the piece on the card, yeah. To be honest, the safest play, in my opinion, would be to parlay the fight doesn't go to decision for this fight, and the fight goes to decision for the Chukagian and Arujo fight. DFS by the numbers. What's up, Locke? A lot of my night is depending on the under two and a half and three and a half. Hoping for fireworks. I'll be right there with you, my guy. Wail Al Gaban. Good luck trying to submit Chandler off your back while he throwing hammer fists. <laughs> yeah. Champ is on Oliver by KO. Both guys can get knocked out here. MMA Kappa. Charlie Order utilizes full skill set for a fourth round sub or unanimous decision. Fight to go to the decision is a hella. Hell deliciously good odds. I'd be surprised if it goes to decision, man. Uh, Joseph Sasso, Chandler doesn't use Supreme Wrestling. He stands a bang. That doesn't work versus technical jiu-jitsu game plan. I don't I could see him uh, you know, uh going to his wrestling later in this fight. Early, I think he's gonna be swinging them, swinging them hammers. In 4K, jiu-jitsu for pussies only works mainly when the opponent is gassed. I absolutely disagree. Joseph Sasso, Michael Chandler's chinny. I agree with that. The champ channel was killed by a 45er. True, but Patricky just has some crazy good power in his hands. Ryan Grant's asking, what's Dog of the Night and Lock of the Night? I have not posted those plays yet, but they will be free on Friday. You'll find them on my Instagram and my Twitter. But if you want to get them as soon as I drop them, they'll be on the Patreon. Cameron Tobin asking where I'm heading next. It's going to be on the Club and Sub podcast. So make sure you guys YouTube Club and Sub pod our club and sub podcast and you guys will find me there over there in about 10 minutes search one two three i like the under two and a half in this as well i missed a benio ferg overview what you got on that one i got uh benio by decision hayden stevenson great call on magni i would have bet jeff had you not convinced me otherwise i appreciate that brother bet god has chandler first round ko that's what i'm ultimately going to go with two beautiful sightings Sunset sunsets and Charles quitting in the middle of a locked cage. My official pick is going to be Chandler to win by first round knockout. Urban men of NJ. I think Chandler kills him lock. I'm just saying Chandler has the five round condition, so he'll be able to be explosive off the rip. I'm not 100 percent sure. Or yeah, Chandler does have five round condition. Yes, I agree. All right. That's pretty much it. The IG is M-M-A-L-O-T-N. And again, on Twitter as well, M-M-A-L-O-T-N. Appreciate everybody stopping by. I'm going to hop off the, the stream. Uh, again, hopefully that I helped you out. Again, this is a very, very tough card to cap. Very, very tough card to cap. I'm not really big on it. Um, we'll be very likely, uh, we'll be risking a very small amount of units on this card, uh, even on tracked as well i'm not gonna have too much action on this card i just want to sit back and enjoy it as a fan appreciate everybody uh checking out the chat as always um i'm checking out the stream as always make sure you guys like make sure you guys subscribe to all that shit tomorrow night obviously propping you up 8 p.m eastern me and cody friday 9 p.m eastern i'm going to be doing the ultimate wayne show i'm just about finalized with my crew for that show i will announce it as soon as i can but i'm pretty sure you guys will be more than happy with it uh in terms of a link to the club and sub just put it into the comment section. So if you guys want to hop on over from this stream to that stream, please do so. You guys will enjoy it. We got a lot of sharp guys on there that you guys will get even more opinions from. Uh, but yeah. 
that's about it. Appreciate you guys stopping by. Check out the Patreon if you guys want to support more. Five bucks a month, a lot of great content, not to mention a great Discord community. And uh, that's about it. I'll see you guys throughout the week. Good luck on your bets. Peace out.